Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. Said, I would. I wish that I could be following you to church. I said, "Well, come on. That's exactly where I'm headed." She said, "I just love that church." And she said, "I go to." And she gave me the name of the church. And she said, "It is dead, dead, dead." And she said, "Everybody there has got hair like this pointing to her hair, which is grayer than mine." But the older I get, the more I love people. Don't misunderstand me. The more I love old people. (laughs) And she said, they will not change. And we don't have any young people. And it's just dead. And she said, I just, she said, I I listen to your your program. I watch you. I'd give anything if I could be a part of a church like that. Isn't it wonderful that, that you can get older and still appreciate excitement and joy and worship and change a little bit. doesn't hurt. And that was just refreshing. She just kind of made my Sunday uh, as, I, as she talked about our church and what's happening here as she watches from a distance and goes to, to another church. There are churches all over America that are dry and dead and dying. And that'll happen to any church if we just refuse to change and just sit and uh, just kind of take whatever comes So I thought that was a good word that you'd want to hear as we start out this uh, new year. If we describe 1994 in one word, what would that word be? I thought about the word sad. Or the word scary. Friday I watched the evening news, ABC. And they did a flashback, a documentary, a flashback on the entire year. I sat there overwhelmed. At what all happened last year in this country? I thought about moving. (laughs) You think about it. From John and Lorena Bobbitt to Tanya Harding to Paula Jones to O.J. Simpson to the steamy sex scenes on primetime television, NYPD. Can you imagine if somebody who lived 100 years ago came back and watch television one evening? Be unbelievable, wouldn't it? It's like, like the, the, the elderly lady who saw something like that for the first time on television and swallowed her teeth <laughs> to pump her stomach out. Just, but can you imagine how much it's changing and in the wrong direction? And then I guess one of the climaxes that sums it up would be Susan Smith. And we'll never forget the picture of those two precious children and of that mother who cried crocodile tears and played a game knowing that she had murdered her two children. That's America. But not only that, from that we heard about a lot of other parents who killed their children every year in America. Not including the thousands each year murdered by abortion. 
It's America. So 1994 was a tabloid kind of year. And I hope that we're going to be different in 1995. I guess the Kodak moment was when Michael Jackson married Priscilla Presley. Two weird women getting together. <laughs> Made you be proud you live in America. Amen. What a year. Well, what should we do as we begin a new year? Every time we begin a new year, there are three things ought to happen. One is reflection, one is renewal, and one is resolution. It's good to reflect. I said yesterday to a man, have a great new year. And he said, anything will be better than last year. He said, I'm just glad it's finally over. Well, some folks have had a tough year. And as you look back over last year, maybe you felt burned or maybe you felt blessed. But I want you to understand, life is basically 10-80-10. Don't ever forget that. 10% of the things that happen to us in life are absolutely wonderful. You think of getting married and that first child or getting that job or that promotion or those things in your life that are just wonderful. And 10% of your life will be absolutely the pits. Terrible. Catastrophic things can happen, but 80% of your life is just normal. Ups and downs, good days and bad days. That's just life, and you need to understand that. And that's true basically for every one of us. And as we reflect on 1994, we look at it briefly. And notice I use the word briefly, because let me tell you, I'm not big on reflection and introspection, because a little bit of it goes a long way. So just look at it briefly. What happened in 1994 and then learn from it. As you reflect back briefly on, on your past year, your priorities, what happened in your life, then learn from it. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from the good things and the bad things. And understand that in all things, God is talking to you and God is teaching you. Did you learn anything in 1994? I learned some things. And everything that happens, God is talking to us and God is teaching us. So look at it briefly, learn from it, and then let it go. Let it go. You know, the only way to end a year is with forgiveness. That's what's important that you close the books on this past year and that you do not carry into this new year any junk inside, any unforgiveness, any resentment, any bitterness, any desire for revenge, that you put all that away and let God help you forgive anybody for anything that they did to you in your past. Because... The wonderful thing is God's going to let you start over with a brand new year, but friend, it won't do you any good if you can't forgive for last year. You have to give forgiveness. You have to be willing to receive that from others as they forgive you. The Bible backs it up. 
Philippians 3.13, Paul said, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. And then in Isaiah 43.18, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. That's not just great advice. That's a biblical admonition. Don't dwell on the past. Don't live in the past. Practice forgiveness. Let it go. And i tell you the verse that, that should mean more to you than perhaps any verse in the Bible outside of John 3, 16 is 1 John 1, 9 that says, if you will confess, he will forgive and cleanse you of every sin. With that verse, you can start this year with an absolutely clean slate. But then look forward because the rest of that verse in Philippians 3 says, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Pressing forward, moving forward, knowing the goal is one day being with Christ and like Christ. Knowing that God isn't through with us, that we're still under construction. So it's a time of reflection. Secondly, it's a time of renewal. You ever thought about two of God's greatest gifts? One is Mondays and the other is New Year's. See, some of you have got a bad attitude toward Monday, and I hope to erase that right now. Because God gave us the gift to start over every Monday. That's wonderful. Especially if you've had some of the kind of weeks I've had. See, I think Monday, Monday perhaps has gotten a bad rap. How do y'all look so spiritual and pious? How many of you have had a bad attitude toward Monday? Raise your hand. You've had one time or another. All right, see there? Well, isn't it neat to be able to start over with a new week? That's what's wonderful about coming to church. It's a brand new week, a brand new beginning, and we can make new commitments today and then start a week tomorrow. And then God gives us a new year that we can close the books on one year, and that's history. We can't go back. We can't change anything, but we can accept what we need to accept we can forgive, we can let it go, and then we can move on focused on the future. A fresh start, a new beginning. I like what God says. He says, I am doing a new thing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he is always wanting to do a new thing in your life. Do you understand that you'll never exhaust God? You'll never exhaust what he's up to in your life? You'll never arrive? Paul had written half the New Testament. He'd established half the churches. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, I have not arrived. And if you want to bulge your translation of part of that verse, he says, I keep ripping my britches, but I'm still pressing on, looking forward. And that's life. You might want to turn to Isaiah 43 and let's just read these verses together and let you... Look at these as a time of renewal. In verse 16 of Isaiah 43, here's what he says. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick, 
Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Aren't you glad that by the time you found it, I finished it? <laughs> you can confess that too. But that's a great passage on renewal. Closing the books on the past and letting God do a new thing and understanding that as God does a new thing in our life, he is absolutely unlimited. He can make a way in the desert. He can make streams in the wasteland. Regardless of what's wrong in your life, he is the one who can make the difference. He's bigger than circumstances. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of renewal. And then thirdly, it's a time of resolution. Now, let's be honest. Most resolutions go in one year and out the other. You'll get that tomorrow afternoon. Most of us make resolutions, but within a month, most of us have already laid them aside, given up. Well, does that mean that we ought not make resolutions? No. It may mean that we ought to make more realistic resolutions. It means that we perhaps should not make so many, but ones that ought to matter and ones that are reachable goals. You see, there's something about a reachable goal. Friend, if you set goals that aren't realistic, that aren't reachable, you'll never, ever make any progress. And you'll get discouraged and you may even back up and lose ground. And it may well be that for you to set a year goal is too much for you. What about a goal for January? And then reevaluate. Then a goal for February. Some resolutions a month at a time. Or even a week at a time. I'm going to do this for a week. I'm going to have a quiet time every morning for one solid week. Then reevaluate, you get another Monday and you'd start over with a brand new slate and you do it again. But resolutions are important. I read an article in last week's paper about from the American Institute for Preventive Medicine. And every, every year they do a list on the, the healthiest resolutions that you can make. And this year their basic advice was lighten up, chill. We're too uptight. We're in a rat race. Everything is too fast, too frantic. We don't spend enough time uh, just hanging out. So the word is lighten up. But then they gave a list of the, the healthiest resolutions you can make. The top five, let me give to you. I do the top 10, but it's a short, short sermon. Somebody said, hey, man. Oh, I Love how you love the word. Here they are. Develop a social network. People who have support get sick less and do better in every area of life. That's a good word for all the long rangers, all the, 
the people who try to make it on their own, who say, I don't need friends. I don't need anybody. I can make it. Friends, we all need other people. We all need a support group. We all need support. We all need encouragement. How many of you have needed a word of encouragement in the last three weeks? Just let me see you have. All right, that's about 50% of you, and the rest of you are bold-faced liars. You got more problems than needing encouragement. We need to encourage you to tell the truth. You say, I was not lying. Then I need to see you after this service because you got information we don't have. Because you can't make it three weeks in a day's world without needing encouragement from somewhere. Avoid psychosclerosis, uh, hardening of the attitudes. Have a positive attitude. Oh, that's so important. Attitudes are key to everything. Laugh more. Laugh more. Uh, that, that lady also told me that she said these, and she pointed her hair again, you know, that, uh, that age group. They don't think you ought to laugh at church or, or have any music where you pat your toe. She said, pat your toe. Well, I think it's all right to laugh. I think Jesus had a great sense of humor. Or he wouldn't have made the parakeet, the monkey, and some of you. I mean, he, you understand that. <laughs> or cats. I mean, he has a sense of humor. And you need, you need belly laughs 10 to 15 every day of your life to stay emotionally healthy. And not only that, you need the first one before breakfast. You say, well, now how am I going to laugh before breakfast? Why not just look in the mirror? <laughs> Find something funny. And then be a good Samaritan. You know, even now medical science has, has recognized that kindness has healing power. One of the healthiest things you never do is help somebody else. You get down and depressed, one of the best things you can do is reach out and help somebody else. And then the fifth one was manage stress. Now, I didn't like the suggestions, they, you know, for managing stress. They suggested yoga, uh, TM, transcendental meditation, and I guess getting in a circle and humming and those kind of things. But we know better, don't we? Amen? Getting, having quiet time with God, praising Him, learning how to praise Him, praise music, finding ways to, to kick back, to hang out, to spend time with your family, with your friends. And you see, I, I'm dead serious about faith, family, and friends. And this past year kind of nailed it down for me. I wrote a Christmas letter this year to, to, to friends across America because it had been a while since we'd written a Christmas letter. Uh, you know, we just get so busy at Christmas and it had been a little while, 15 or 20 years. <laughs> so now we have kids and they're growing up and, you know, they need to see pictures of the, you know, the, the family and and I apologize to my friends across America because I haven't done that. Now, they're not wonderful either because we haven't heard from them much either, you understand. We're all kind of not doing well at those kinds of things. 
But you see, the greatest gifts in my life are people. And the only thing I want to invest in are people. The only thing going to heaven are people. And one day the only thing that will matter will be relationships. Sooner or later, that's all that will matter. Losing dad, losing a good friend my age last year, God just spoke to me about friends. Family's always been a priority. But friends need to be a priority. And it's so important that we just take time to have relationships. Now I want you to turn to Psalm 101. And let's say a word about resolutions. This psalm is just full of renewals and resolutions. Nine times the psalmist says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Get the impression he has some intentions. I will sing of your love and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praise. I don't know of a better way to begin a day. He says, I will have an attitude of praise. Do you understand that what happens to you in 1995 depends on how you think more than anything else? It depends upon your attitude. It's not what happens to us in life. It's how we respond to what happens in life that makes the difference, that makes us who we are. Not the circumstances. Attitudes are more important than circumstances. You see, you can choose in 1995 to be happy or unhappy. You can choose to be positive or negative. It's your choice. You can choose to have a good year or have a bad year. It's your choice. The psalmist says, I, I began by choosing to praise God. In another psalm, he says, seven times a day, I praise God and thank God for his blessings. Would that make a difference in our lives? If seven times a day, seven the perfect number, we praise God and we thank God for his blessings. And then in verse 2, he says, I'll seek to live a godly life. I'll be careful to lead a blameless life. I will seek to live godly. That involves choice. That involves commitment. That is not automatic. That is not easy. And then he says, I will walk in my house with a blameless heart. I will make my home an absolute priority and with a blameless heart I'll be real at home I'll not be plastic not be fake I'll be open and transparent I'll work at this thing called family it's a great resolution and then in verses 3 through 5 he says I will cultivate godly relationships friendships whoever slanders his neighbor in Secret of verse 4, men of perverse hearts shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. I'm not going to run with the wrong crowd. I want to run with the right crowd. Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him will I put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him will I not endure. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. 
And of course implied, I will minister to him. What is he saying? He's saying, I will cultivate godly relationships and I will get ungodly relationships out of my life. And I will minister to those friends who want to be godly. I want to cultivate relationships. Some of you have already figured out where I'm headed with this psalm. Because what we've heard so far in this psalm is simply faith, family, and friends. I want to praise God daily, maybe seven times a day. I want to live in an attitude of praise and thanksgiving to God. I want to be godly. I want to make my home an absolute priority. I want to be real at home, not plastic, not fake. I want to cultivate godly friendships and build those relationships and pour my life into other people. That is faith, family, and friends. And you'll not make any better resolutions than those three that this year I want to be strong in my faith. I want to get to know God better, more intimately. I want to spend more time with God. I want to have a thankful heart. I want to praise God throughout the year. I want to make my home and family an absolute priority in my life. I want to know them better. I want them to know me in intimacy and transparency. I want to develop friendships and cultivate those friendships and spend time with friends and minister to them, pour my life into them. Do you understand that everything God teaches you, then you have a responsibility to teach that to other people? That what God does in your life, you're to pass on to other people. That even your sorrows, you're not to waste your sorrows, but you're to let God use your sorrows to bless other people as you walk in their lives. Now you lean in closely and listen to me very carefully. We have a lot of sins, but our greatest sin is always selfishness. And hear me carefully. There is no happiness in selfishness. We think it is, but it's not there. Unselfishness brings happiness. And only Jesus Christ can give you the strength to control that selfishness and to be unselfish so that faith, family, and friends can be reality in your life. Where does that begin? It begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to begin 1995 in this pulpit as your pastor by telling you right up front the greatest thing you can ever do is give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can save you, the only one who can forgive you, the only one who can take you to heaven. He is the only one who can give you happiness and purpose and meaning in life. He is exactly the one you're looking for and desperately need. And without Him, your eternity is not only one of a lack of meaning and purpose, but eventually it's hell and torment.
and the choice is yours. So what better way to begin 1995 than to invite Jesus Christ into your heart and life? If you've never done that, you need to do it today. Don't wait any longer. Make that commitment in this service. And in a moment, you can walk down this aisle and take one of these ministers by the hand and say, I'm, I'm ready to invite Jesus Christ into my heart and life. I want to begin 1995 knowing that I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm a part of the family of God. You say, preacher, I, you know, I, I like those, those things about family and, and friends and, and that's where my life is, but I don't know about this faith and about religion, about church and about Christ. I'm going to tell you that you'll never, ever be the husband or father you need to be without Jesus Christ. And you'll never be the friend that your friend needs unless you know Jesus Christ as your best friend. Maybe you've gotten away from the Lord. You know that He lives in your heart. You know you're saved, but you haven't been living for Him. What better time of the day to live for Jesus Christ? Make a fresh start, a new commitment. You can do that today. Others of you are looking for a church home. What better way to begin a new year than to join the church, become a part of this church family and help us impact this city for Christ. Would you bow with me as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, I pray that right now you'd speak to our hearts. As people are making decisions at this very moment, I pray that they will listen to the Holy Spirit and will make the right decision and then give them the courage to carry it out the courage to leave their seat and their sin and walk down this aisle and make a fresh start a new beginning and let God do a new thing in them speak to us in Jesus name we hope you were blessed by our program today if you would like a copy of today's program go to www fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry.